Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. You're on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero. For the workday afternoon, today on Health Suites, we look at the third edition of COVID 19 Global Impact Study, which sheds new light on the impact of the virus and global perceptions of health and well being released by Cigna International Markets, a global health service company. Beyond the health impact of COVID 19, we look at how society and our well-being has been impacted. We speak with Dr. Dawn Su, Regional Medical Officer and Head of Wellness, Asia Pacific for Cigna, to find out more. That's next on Money FM 89.3. Health Suites with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon on the phone with me. Dr. Don Su, Regional Medical Officer and Head of Wellness, Asia-Pacific Cigna. We talk about the heightened sense of financial anxiety amongst respondents that they were unable to meet their long-term financial commitments amid the global uncertainty caused by COVID-19. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Larissa. All right, this is the third edition of the COVID-19 Global Impact Study. What was the focus of the study this time? Right. So since the beginning of the pandemic, we've been watching how COVID-19 has impacted people's well-being as well as their attitudes towards health and work. Mm-hmm. And in this study, we looked at five themes that influence well-being, and that's physical, family, social, financial and work. So the first edition looked at the overall health and well-being of people at the peak of the crisis. So that was early this year. The second edition looked at how we adapted to new habits like working from home. Mm -hmm. And the third edition, which has just concluded, looked at how the tightening and loosening of restrictions to curb the spread of COVID are affecting people globally. And what we've seen is a slow recovery of confidence and optimism, particularly people's confidence about being able to meet financial commitments. People are also becoming more resigned to the potential of a constant cycle of lockdowns and are overall just very cautious about their prospects financially. Stress levels, needless to say, remain very high throughout this pandemic, which obviously also offers opportunities um, for organizations to look at programs that focus on employees' health and mental resilience. You know, I don't think any of us at the beginning of COVID-19, when it started to look like it was, you know, it could be serious, had any idea what we were in for. And now, like, what, eight months later, it's it's been astounding. It's been an incredible year for all the wrong reasons. And you know, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uncertainty, <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> the stress, the uncertainty, the you know, where is the economy going to go? Am I going to have a job in three months? These were not things that we thought we would be worried about at the start of this year. Yeah, that, that definitely not. I think the only thought I had back then in January was if I could travel in the summer. <laughs> right. And so it's uh, yeah, it's all been pretty unexpected. Now, the main key takeaway in this edition, at least my understanding of it, is that there was a heightened sense of financial anxiety from your respondents. Um, You know, we're worried about the long term financial commitments because we're worried about the short term, the job situation and, and stuff like that. So does that affect the mental and emotional stress that that all this anxiety that that you refer to? What do we do with it? How do how how do we deal with it really? Yeah, so I think I think beginning of the second edition, we have seen finance come up as the main cause of stress 
for most people. Mm-hmm. And I think worryingly, half of all the people we, we surveyed have the sort of worst possible outlook on how the current environment is going to impact their, their financial situation and, and whether they can maintain their current standards of living. And, and this also appears to be a lot more acute in, in Asian economies, like in Singapore and Hong Kong, compared to the West, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, this anxiety is causing a lot of stress, both mentally and, and emotionally. And, and it can easily snowball and overwhelm us unless active steps are taken to, to manage the anxiety as well as all the changes um, around us. And, and I think the problem is also that during this period, a lot of the various sort of fitness and leisure facilities have also been closed. And so that has also taken away a lot of the coping mechanisms that many of us use to, to relieve stress. So perhaps during this time, the, the availability, the accessibility of a lot of the mental health support services have, have never been more crucial. Okay. We're speaking with Dr. Don Su, Regional Medical Officer and Head of Wellness, Asia-Pacific at Cigna. Tell us some of the other key findings before we, we sort of go into more depth with it. Right. So, so outside of the fact that finance is now the main cause of stress for most people, we've also seen that about a fifth of individuals say that health is now the second biggest cause of stress. Mm-hmm. This is partly probably from fear of contracting the virus, but also an increased awareness of our health in general during this period. There is also a sense of realism amongst people, just very cautious rather than optimistic about the future. A majority of people don't expect a vaccine to be available in the short term, and, and that, that's realistic. And that the changes to our daily lives and working styles are also becoming permanently embedded. More than half of people surveyed want to continue working from home at least half the time. What is, I guess, a silver lining is that the adoption of virtual health services has seen a significant increase with more people wanting to use virtual services over face-to-face appointments. And this is a sign that the, the way we consume healthcare services is going to change permanently. So healthcare professionals have got to change the way they look at uh, providing that healthcare. Yeah, definitely. And, and as an insurer like us, we are also re-looking at the way we finance healthcare. Right. Okay. Now, you said stress levels, all-time highs. Uh, one, th- one of the things that I thought was actually interesting was people are turning to their families for support. Family and friends were cited by 53% of respondents as the main source of resilience above government, above health services, above their employers. Was this 53% a surprising result or was that expected? I can't speak for everyone, <laughs> but for me, I think <laughs> probably not because humans are inherently social creatures. We rely on social groups to provide us with a, an important part of identity, teach us skill sets that help us lead our lives. And this is the beginning of time. Our ability to cooperate and depend on, on each other has helped us thrive. So I think in times of increasing isolation like today, the ability to rely on friends and, and, and loved ones uh, is key to, to helping us maintain resilience, not to mention this is probably the only time ever that we're going to be spending so much time, especially with family. Now, 53% turn to family and friends. And you're right. You know, I think it's the first to reach out for all of us would be friends, loved ones, family. Uh, What I thought, and I thought this was very significant, and I think employers around the world should be concerned about this, is only 26% of your respondents said they would turn to their employers. 
So I think the question for HR professionals around the world should be, how can employers promote mental well-being at the workplaces so it's not 26%? Yeah, so so 26% is is certainly low. And I I think if there's one thing COVID has brought to our attention is that open and honest communication between employers and, and staff is key, especially around mental health. Mental health issues have traditionally been taboo, especially in this region. And and people are often reluctant to talk about their struggles, even with their loved ones, uh, much less employers. Mm -hmm. So I think the the advice to employers are generally along the lines of one, that they need to create a culture where employees feel safe to talk about their struggles and are confident that it's not going to negatively impact their careers or be judged negatively by their colleagues. It's certainly very helpful when senior leaders come out openly to talk about their mental health issues and to show vulnerability because this encourages um, others to do the same. I think managers and HR should undergo some form of first aid course for mental health. This is a workshop that's conducted all over the world, including Singapore, and it equips participants with the skills to detect signs and symptoms of mental health issues, which will help employees detect at-risk employees early on and offer them help. And I think finally, to ensure that there are appropriate mental health services that are accessible to employees, whether these are counseling programs, psychotherapies, and so on. The issue obviously uh, is that these services are expensive and they are typically unaffordable to the average employee because it's not a one-time expense. So we've seen many employers considering during this period about making an investment, whether that's including it within their health benefits or, or actually funding these services for their employees. We're speaking with Dr. Don Su, Regional Medical Officer and Head of Wellness, Asia-Pacific Cigna. The upside of this study was that it did shed light on how much of a support foundation family and friends are to our personal resilience. How can we use this information constructively moving forward? Right. So what we have also noticed from the study is that one of our largest, while while family and friends provide the greatest source of resilience for us, the observed stress in one spouse or partner, especially when the partner is unable to concentrate or becomes negative, Mm -hmm. also becomes our largest driver of personal stress. So this insight, I guess, can be leveraged by employers who can consider including an employee, spouse or children in any of the well-being programs or mental health services that are being offered. And also certainly to allow for more flexible work arrangements for those who are new parents, have young children or elderly parents to care for, as these tend to be the vulnerable segments whose mental health and performance tend to be quite closely interlinked with um, that of their families and loved ones. We can hope that our employers might do something to assist and support and maybe rethink some of their human capital processes. But before that happens, what can we do to help ourselves? Right. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of exercise in general. I think getting the endorphins racing around the body is a great way of reducing stress, especially with a lot of us working remotely. It's quite easy to just stay seated at your desk for the entire day. So heading out for a walk or run, a bike ride or yoga class can help massively. I think the next point is just around checking in regularly with the loved ones or colleagues. Family and friends are our biggest source of mental resilience. So whether that's making an extra effort to text or to call your parents, friends or colleagues, so you continue to feel connected 
and part of a larger community. And also by doing that, you help the other party feel the same. But finally, I think it's also about being kind to yourself. Sometimes when I speak to friends and colleagues, I sense that there is a lot of frustration that comes from a sense of loss of control, the sense that we're stagnating in our careers, that we're not achieving as much, traveling as much as we should. But I think it is helpful to remind ourselves that a pandemic like this comes around once or twice a century. We hope. So it's okay to use this. <laughs> yeah, so it's okay to use this opportunity to just slow down and, and reevaluate our priorities and look after ourselves. You know, it's interesting that you, you, the first thing you said was exercise because in doing some research for a future interview, I found that, at least here in Singapore, if you go to the bike stores, they're selling out on bicycles because suddenly everybody wants to go out riding, for example. There's actually a, a difficulty in getting good-fitting running shoes because everybody started running. So they're, they're already doing that. They're already getting out and trying to exercise and get those endorphins coursing through your system. Yeah, no, that's a good sign. It's like when work from home first started, the supermarkets had ran out of flour because everyone just started baking. Everyone started baking. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> after six months of all that baking, now we need to work all of that extra poundage off. <laughs> that's correct. We've been speaking with Dr. Don Su, Regional Medical Officer and Head of Wellness at Asia-Pacific Signal. Thank, thank you so much for the time, Doctor. Thanks, Larissa. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. You are on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.